Today on Grace to the Hearers with Pastor Eric Kluth. But this woman wasn't drunk. In fact, she says she wasn't drunk. She was crying out to God. She's like, no, my Lord, I'm not drunk. I'm not intoxicated. I'm just crying out to the Lord. Have you ever been there where you're just crying out to God and you don't physically have the words to speak, but your heart is crying out and speaking to the Lord? I know that I have. And those times of prayers are like intense and the Spirit, you can just feel the Spirit of God and your Spirit just connecting as one. As we begin our study of 1 Samuel with Pastor Eric, we encounter the plight of Hannah. She is barren and she desperately wants a child. Many of us have felt desperation at some point in our lives. Hannah's response was to cry out to God and guess what? He heard her heart's cry and he answered her prayer. Well, let's join Pastor Eric for part one of his message entitled, A Healthy Cry Heals the Heart. Quick introduction to the book of Samuel, uh, which I didn't know but I found it pretty interesting, is that the book of 1 Samuel and the book of 2 Samuel, originally in the Hebrew, were one book. And uh, when it was translated by the Greek, they ran out of room on the scroll, so they had to make it into two books. That's why it's 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel in our English Bibles. The books of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel are based on one account. And historically, the book of Samuel takes place during the sunset of the Judges period. Uh, as we've learned in the past few months of Judges, and then we learned through Ruth, Samuel takes place at the sunset of that time period. And, you know, as we look into Samuel, uh, many people, especially this chapter that we're going to look at tonight, many people are familiar with chapter 1 of Samuel. It's another instance where God opens a womb that was barren, that he brings a child to a woman that didn't think that she could have a child. We also see the dedication, giving back to God what he has given us. But you know what? The Lord just really gave me a different insight to chapter 1 that I'm really excited to share with you guys. It's very powerful. I believe it's very powerful. It was powerful for me as I learned. And uh, so with that, we're going to dive right into chapter 1 of Samuel tonight. And uh, we're looking at the first five verses. We see it says that, Now there was a certain man of Ramatham Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of uh, Jeroham, the son of Elu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Verse 3, This man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hophanin and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. Verse 4, And whatever, whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he would give double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And so here we get the introduction to this man named Elkanah in the first five verses. He was uh, an Ephraimite. Uh, he was a mountain man. I bet he had a beard. No, I'm just kidding. And he had two wives, Peninnah and Hannah. Okay, he had two wives. By the text, I would say that Elkanah was a godly man because he followed the Lord. He went yearly up to worship the Lord and bring the sacrifices and offerings to the house of the Lord. 
And with that, he would make sure that his family was covered. He gave portions of the offerings and sacrifices to his wives, to uh, his kids. But he, not only did he give portions to Hannah, he gave double portions to Hannah because it says in the word that he loved her. Wow, in these first five verses, I just thought, man, what a great application it is for us as men being that example of being a priest in his home. Isn't that a great example of a man being a priest in his house? And, you know, as men, we are the leaders of our houses, you know, and ladies, I know that you're in here, but you can listen to this as well because you can support your husbands as the priests of the house. But men, we are called to be the leaders of the home, and we're called to, by God to provide for our families. And a lot of times that does come through physical provisions, but you know what? More importantly, God has called us to provide for our families spiritually, that we need to be the spiritual leaders for our household. And the Apostle Paul, you guys, has given us that explanation of our roles in the book of Ephesians, which I would encourage husbands and wives to read this week, your roles uh, of a husband and a role of a wife uh, in Ephesians 5. But with the husbands, husbands, guess what? You are, you are told and we are told to love our wives as Christ loves the church. Well, how is that, church? How is that? Sacrificially, right? Okay, all right. And we are also to wash our wives in the word of God, meaning that we bathe them in God's word. And here we see that example of a man who is washing them in the word by taking them to the house of the Lord and and helping them worship the Lord. And according to chapter 6 of Ephesians, as I'm looking in the first five verses, he didn't only do that for his wives, but he did that for his children as well. And and we, as men, are instructed. I mean, God is so good, I mean, with his instruction to us guys, because sometimes we don't always get it, you know, but God is very clear. And he says in Ephesians chapter 6 how we should be with our children. He says, And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. And here we see that Elkanah was doing that. He was pouring into his wives. He was pouring into his kids uh, because I truly believe that he had a heart for the Lord and he, he wanted to bring up his family in the ways of God. And what a great testimony that is for you and I to have that same heart and same passion to bring our families up in the ways of the Lord. And you know what? If you're a single parent, if you're whatever, your spouse isn't leading, you know what, ladies, you can take that role. Just run with it and continue to pour into your families because our children need to be brought up in the word of God. And so I just want to encourage you, men, it starts with you, but ladies, if the man isn't going to do it, please do it. You know, continue to pour into those around you and your families, okay? So we're introduced to Elkanah there in verses one through five, which is, man, he's a great, great guy. Uh, But man, the heart of the story is with a woman named Hannah. And, and we know in verses 1 through 5 that Elkanah loved Hannah. He gave her double portions to give to the Lord. But let's see how he loved her in verses uh, 6 through 19. It says this in uh, 1 Samuel. And her rival uh, also provoked her. Meaning Hannah's, I don't even know what you would call that. Not your sister-in-law, your wife? Co-wife? I don't know. It's weird. Anyways... She provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. And so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. 
Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why, don't, why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Verse 9, so Hannah arose after they finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of the soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. Verse 12, And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, and only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put away your wine. Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have not drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord." Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Verse 17, Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And when she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. And verse 19, Then they arose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So here in these verses, we are introduced to Hannah. And Hannah, again, was loved by her husband. But we see in our text that she was barren. She was not able to have children. And in this time, this was a big deal to a woman, okay? If a woman couldn't have a child then she would feel that she failed her husband as a wife. This was like their major role back in the days for a woman, is to bear children, to carry out the name of their husband, to bring the inheritance to the family. But here this woman was barren. God had closed her womb, it says in verse 5. Now her, her other wife, her husband's wife, I don't know, it's weird again, but she provoked Hannah. Now, provoked means what? Provoked to anger. She grieved Hannah. Why, why do you think? Well, because she had sons and daughters. And here, she is just grieving her. Every time they go up to the, uh, the, the offering of the Lord once a year, it happened year by year, it says in 7, that she provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. It's like kind of like that na-na-na-na-boo-boo thing, right? Like, hey... I've got kids and you don't. And so Hannah wept. It hurt her. She was hurt. Why was this taking place? Well, the Bible doesn't say. But my thoughts are is that this woman, Peninnah, was most likely jealous. I mean, if you think about it, if you have children, which is in the sight of the people what is respectable and honorable, and yet your husband loves this other woman who has no children, and he gives her double portions? What's up with that? And so you're probably jealous. And so you're trying to take your jealousy out and making her feel like garbage. In verse 7, you guys, we see that it caused 
great heartache within Hannah. It broke her that she wept and it drove her to the point where she did not eat. And so this must have disturbed her husband, Elkanah. In fact, it tells us that he comes to her, right, in verse 8, and says to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? He's asking the question, why, why is this taking place within you? He goes, why is your heart grieved? Am I not better than, to you than ten sons? I mean, he's trying to make her feel better, isn't he? But it's really not helping. Her heart was grieved. Her heart was hurting because of what she was going through. I mean, and like a typical man, and I can say this, we're trying to fix the problem, right? Our wife is crying out, and we're trying to say, we don't want you to cry anymore. What's going on? Am I not important to you? You know, I, I'm, I'm good, right? I'm, I, be happy with me and you. We're fine. You, you don't have kids. That's okay. I love you. I mean, I love you. Look at the double portions that I've given to you. Typically, though, like we try to fix those problems as males. But God had a different way to fix her heart. Because you guys remember this time, having children, like I said, is a big deal to a woman. You know what? It's still a big deal to a woman today. It's just the way that God has programmed them. So verse 10 tells us that she wept bitterly, huh? In verse 10 it says, And she was in bitterness of the soul and prayed. So we see her praying and asking God. She's laying it on the table saying, God, uh, I'm hurting. I, I want a child. And if you give me a child, she makes that vow to the Lord, huh? And, and she says, you know, Lord, if you give me this child, I will give him back to you all the days of his life. And no razor will come upon his head. Meaning that he will be totally dedicated to you, God. His entire life. But you guys remember in the state of this prayer, Hannah's heart was greatly distressed. It's so much so that she couldn't even get the words out. She's just crying out from her heart, praying from, from her heart to the Lord, and her mouth is uttering, but there is no speech. And Eli, the priest, who was just viewing this woman off to the side, assumed that she was drunk without even knowing what was going on. But this woman wasn't drunk in fact, she says she wasn't drunk. She was crying out to God. She's like, no, my Lord, I'm not drunk. I'm not intoxicated. I'm just crying out to the Lord. Have you ever been there where you're just crying out to God and you don't physically have the words to speak, but your heart is crying out and speaking to the Lord? I know that I have. And those times of prayers are like intense and you, the spirit, you can just feel the spirit of God and your spirit just connecting as one. And that's what was taking place with Hannah. So Hannah explains to the priest and saying, you know what? I've just been crying out to God. And so then Eli understands and he listens to her and he says in verse 17, go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition which you've asked him. All right on. Thanks, priest. Thanks for giving us your blessing. But then it says that she was, after that, she was no longer sad and she was, she was able to eat. And before we go into this, because this is the area that I really want to zone in on, let's finish the rest of the chapter in the story. 
It says in verse 19, then, uh, again, like I said, then they rose early in the morning and they worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Now the man of Elkanah and all his family and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. Verse 23, So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Uh, Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Verse 24, now when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bowls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child, I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I asked of him. In verse 28, therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. We're, again, we're really familiar with this story. The, the heart, I mean, you use this passage for baby dedications, right? God has given you a child and you're giving the child back to God. Great. Praise God. And that message in itself is wonderful that God hears our petition and that he answered that. But the section that really ministered to my heart was in verses 8 through 19. When Hannah was depressed. Hannah was depressed. What do you mean she was depressed? It doesn't say that. But it does say that in the translation from the Hebrew to the English. When it says that her heart was was miserable, that means that the goal of this other woman was to depress her. To cause her great depression. And Hannah battled with depression year by year. Year by year, she battled with depression. What is depression? Depression is a condition of general emotional dejection and withdrawal. Sadness greater and more prolonged than the warranted by any objective reason. It's great sadness. So what are you saying here? A a godly woman dealt with depression? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. In fact, she was not alone. Moses, David, Naomi, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Solomon. All these mighty people within God's word who believed in the Lord and put their faith in the Lord battled with depression. You can read it in the Psalms with David that this man battled with depression and here's the fact, church. There's Christians today who battle with depression. Who battle with depression. Do you believe that? Maybe you are experiencing depression yourself in your own life. Now, I was taught if you battled depression, that there was something wrong with you, that you lacked faith in God. That there was a lack of your faith in God. That's why you're depressed. And so every time those times where I battle with depression, because I've battled with depression, I would tell myself, Eric, have more faith, more faith, more faith. But the passage really opened my eyes. 
It opened my eyes that God hears a heart of those who are depressed. See, depression is not the concern here, you guys. It's how I deal with my depression. Understanding that God does not look down upon me because I'm depressed. Or if I battle depression. He doesn't look down on me. Because depression is not a lack of faith in God. It's sadness. It's sorrow within the heart. And case in point that God listens, right? You look at Hannah. She had faith in God. Well, how do you know that? Because she went to the temple of God and she cried out to God. If she didn't have faith in God, then why was she even doing that? She had faith in God, that God was going to hear her. And God listened to Hannah. Well, how do you know that? Well, what happened in the rest of the story? A little baby came along, right? His name is Samuel. So this woman who was crying out, who had sorrow in her heart, who was, had that, that, that depression, the, the, the heart of depress, depressing feelings and heart and anxiety, year by year, God heard her prayer. Ah, that's amazing. Because depression is not a sin. God heard Hannah's prayer. If depression was a sin, God would not have heard. Because the Bible tells us that. In Isaiah 59, 2, But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. So this woman's heart who was hurting, who was, who was just going through this very difficult period, was crying out to God, and God heard her. And he granted her her request. But how does depression start, you guys? If depression is something that's real and it's something that's going on within the people of this world, how does it start? Depression can be triggered by a lot of different things. But here in our text, it was triggered by a word from a person. By words. Words? Words mean something? Our words impact other people? Oh, yeah. In fact, Proverbs 15, 13, it says, A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. See, Peninnah, her heart was to hurt and bring pain to Hannah. It wasn't a heart of merry and cheerfulness. It was a heart of, I'm trying to torture her and to make her miserable because she couldn't have a child. And we're not told what she said to her. But it had to be something enough to drive this woman to not to eat. I mean, that's a huge thing, don't you think? If the words that was spoken to Hannah, it drove her to, to cry, you know, heavily, and just cry out, like tears flowing everywhere, uncontrollably, and, and our heart to be hurting so bad that she wouldn't even eat food. Have you ever been to that point? Where you're just, you're just hurting. And you, I mean, food is the last thing on your mind. You just want your heart to be healed. The words that we speak can trigger depression in others. If our words tear down one another, it can bring depression within that person's life. But as the proverb says, you guys, a cheerful heart brings a cheerful countenance. How we speak to one another is important. How we speak is very important. And as believers, we need to know this. 
Paul said it best in Ephesians 4.29. He said to the church in Ephesus, he said, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Well, that's all the time we have for today here on Grace to the Hearers with Eric Kluth of Calvary Chapel Coolidge. Don't forget to join us next time as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Samuel. Now, as we mentioned at the beginning of today's program, we'd like to make available to you a free copy of today's message. We can send you a copy of today's message on audio CD when you email us at info at gracetothehearers.com. That's info at gracetothehearers.com. Or you can listen to or download the message as originally recorded at Calvary Chapel Coolidge. Just visit our website at gracetothehearers.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 520-723-7047. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 520-723-7047. Again, we invite you to visit our website at gracetothehearers.com, where we provide helpful information about our beliefs, service times, and a convenient map to our church if you're in the Coolidge, Arizona area and would like to visit us. The Bible teaching that you hear each day on Grace to the Hearers is from the worship services at Calvary Chapel Coolidge. So, if you've been blessed by today's message, join us for worship. Grace to the Hearers is the radio ministry of Pastor Eric Kluth of Calvary Chapel Coolidge. Please join us next time as we continue our study through the book of 1 Samuel. That's next time on Grace to the Hearers. Grace to the Hearers